Hello, microbe friends. I'm Dr. Justine Dees, and welcome to the Joyful Microbe Podcast. It's the show all about the microbes we encounter in our daily lives. Thank you so much for tuning in. I can't wait to share this show with you. Today we're digging into a topic that has been showing up in my inbox a lot in the past couple of years, microbiology education in K through 12 classrooms. Microbiology is an incredibly important part of science for students to grasp because of its applications in almost every area of our lives, our health, the environment, and our food, just to name a few. For science teachers, both new and experienced, navigating the world of microbes with students is exciting, but also comes with its challenges. If you're a teacher preparing for the microbiology section of a biology class or an entire course on microbiology, you've probably looked around the internet for resources. And I am honored to be one of those resources you may have stumbled across. It's thrilling because I've received emails from teachers sharing that they love what Joyful Microbe has to offer, especially a previous episode of the podcast where I interviewed high school microbiology teacher Jessica Popescu. Knowing how helpful that interview has been made it clear to me that sharing the experiences of educators, be it successes or struggles, is something worth doing more often. So if you're an educator and want to share your experience teaching microbiology at the K-12 level, send me an email and we'll set up an interview. But today, I am so happy to present this episode to you where I'll be chatting with Clara Masaline, a high school teacher from Mexico. We'll dive into her journey from an interest in wine to becoming a microbiologist and then a K-12 educator and how she's passing on her microbiology knowledge to her students. Clara and I discuss ways to spark student curiosity, build connections, and deal with the challenges of teaching microbiology. Whether you're a seasoned pro or new to teaching, Clara's insights will definitely resonate. Plus, she shares a delicious hands-on microbiology activity, making tapache, a fermented drink that'll give you a taste of science in action. So settle in and let's hear from Clara Marceline, a true advocate for science education. Hi, Clara. Thanks so much for coming on the Joyful Microbe podcast. Thank you for the invitation. (laughs) I'm so excited to talk to you about your experience with teaching microbiology at the high school level. But I want to start out by just talking about How did you get interested in science and end up teaching science at the high school level? It's a a quite interesting journey. For me, at least, it was quite an experience. Uh, When I was finishing my high school, I I wanted to be an analogist. I was very interested in all the wine uh, production process. So I was looking for some options to 
to tackle the enology objective. And I found out that whether I had to study gastronomy so that I can then get specialized in, in enology and wines, but then I also find a program at the university, the National University in Mexico, that was about food chemistry. So it was very clear for me at, at some point in the last semesters, there were like um, optional uh subjects that you could take and enology was one of them so I was like yeah okay so I have to wait till uh, seventh eighth semester out of mine and then I can get to be an enologist and have <laughs> what I want about lines right but during the second semester already when I started uh, my bachelor's in food chemistry I discovered that uh, in the general microbiology class there was a whole world that I hadn't think about before. And even though when I had very inspiring uh, teachers in, in junior high school and high school, I, I don't know why I never thought about microbiology. And then going to the general microbiology lab and then the food microbiology lab and having all these um, experimental uh, sessions at, at the lab, I remember one of them that was very shocking because the teacher just said, well, okay, what you have to do is you have 15 minutes to go out and, uh, you know, Mexico is all about food and street food. So grab a food, whatever you want, and bring it so that we can analyze the different uh, micro microbes, bacteria, and everything that that are in there and we were all like super frightened because you don't want your favorite tacos to come out <laughs> with with e coli or, or uh, uh, salmonella and we were going like two faculties two buildings uh, um, far away so that our favorite tacos our favorite sandwiches were not tested in this <laughs> laboratory session and uh, this is how I discovered how amazing um the microbiology world is because I mean it's there you don't see it you don't think about it but it's there and although many many times people especially after the pandemics with COVID people became super afraid of micro microbes and bacteria and viruses and everything for me it has always been I don't know, maybe for my bachelor's, maybe because food is my religion, I don't know. But for me, it has always been a positive a positive uh, field of, of study. Um, when I finished the, ba the bachelor's, I actually worked with um, a fungus that uh, Aspergillus flavus, so that these fungus could um, break down some uh, waste from the agricultural industry, such as uh, wheat, wheat, um, how do you call it? The wheat, um, the wheat cover and the residue when you press uh, the caña. I don't know how, I don't know why I forgot how to say that in English, but to get sugar and all these residues, the, the peels from different fruits and vegetables and so on, and produce um, enzymes that could help the, the agriculture industry to turn their waste into 
compost or other stuff or even produce enzymes that could be used maybe not for food apply uh, applications but for uh, another beneficial uh, use so after that i was very very confused as any bachelors when 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 you finish uh university and you're like what the heck am i going to do with my life <laughs> um so i started uh at my first job and it was uh, auditing auditing restaurants in the city and i discovered that the auditing part it was not that nice but teaching people that not necessarily have a an education in microbiology, an education in chemistry, an education in, in science that maybe they didn't even finish elementary school, but still they are working in the food industry and they are working at restaurants and they are working at um, client uh, service and so on. It is very important for them to know how easy it is to get some measures so that you avoid the bad microbes that you don't want to mm. be in the food for your clients, right? And I just loved, loved giving these kind of short lessons for, for people. But then I was like, no, this is not for me. I have to move all over the city and uh, I miss school. I really miss school. Mm. I really miss university. And... I, I applied for a master's degree in 2017 in biotechnology. And when I was selected, everything was going according to plan. I would go for my master's. I would go for my PhD and nothing could go bad. But in 2017, September 19, we had an earthquake in Mexico City. Very, mm. very strong. So... The building with the laboratory where I was supposed to do my experiments uh, was the only building in the campus that was uh, damaged. So it was closed. And my PI said he by that time he had only three, three students. I was a master's student and he had already two for a PhD. And he said, look, you are the most brave. You are the bravest. You are the wildest. You are the funniest. So what about going abroad? And I ended up doing my second year of the master's in, in Belgium. So I uh, I was working back there with uh, streptomyces and doing some stuff with the uh, reduce genome and growing cultures and testing if they were still exporting proteins, uh, heterologous proteins and so on. But at the end, I had to come back to Mexico 2019 and I said, okay, I can go for the PhD, but I want a PhD that I really, really enjoy. I don't know if I'm going like I'm spreading, I'm like being a little big, but it's part of the reason why, why I became a teacher. So uh, when I ended, I said, okay, I will just have a couple of, of months to rest, to to clear my mind, to find my PhD program, and I will go for it. But by the end of the year, once the, the Christmas and New Year's Eve and all the parties were over, 
I was already bored. But luckily for me, a friend of mine who was teaching at a junior high, she had her pre-doc exam coming and she didn't have more time to continue with her teaching at the junior high. So she recommended me and I started in January 2020. <laughs> so the first time I was working with uh, with with students for from second and third grade, which is like um, 13, 14 years old. And it was so amazing to talk about them, uh, to talk to them about microbiology and chemistry and how to plan lessons. Although this high school didn't, this junior high school didn't have a lot of, um, of budget for, for practical sessions. I was just so excited planning and, and getting some stuff done. I worked with some agar plates, very simple agar plates, uh, so that they could just print their hands and grow whatever was in there and print your hands before washing your hands and print your hands after washing your hands. And they were like so, so, so excited <laughs> about you, but at the same time, wow, like this <laughs> light in their in their beautiful little eyes, right? So the pandemic started and uh, I think that every teacher faced the faced the challenge of what am I going to do now? I mean, it's not the same to be in the classroom and do all this uh, body language and get excited. And mm -hmm. I mean, even when you can use your voice for that, it's not the same and you cannot show them in, in, in real life some stuff. So uh, that junior high school was an amazing experience, but at the same time, the, the, the payment was so low that I was already considering not enrolling in the PhD program, although I already had a, a PI and everything. I was just waiting for the for the applying process. And then I said, I wrote to my PA and I said, I'm so, 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 so sorry, but look, we're in the middle of the pandemic. Well, actually it's just starting. We don't know when is it going to be done, when it's going to be over. And I just realized that I want to be a teacher. I really love being a teacher. So I think that I will have to, to pause this PhD plan for a while. Um, he didn't have a problem and he, he wished me best of luck. And luckily for me, I, I got the, the opportunity to apply to the institute where I work now, that is called uh, Instituto Tecnológico de Estudios Superiores de Monterrey, which is a very, very famous uh, university in Mexico. It's, it's one of the top three universities in Mexico and it has a, a high school program. So I applied and I started being a teacher here for high school in the middle of the pandemic. So that's it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was the journey. And yeah. the reason why I, I like to teach in junior in junior high school or high school, because people ask me often, how is it possible that you fell in love about being a teacher with junior high school students. I mean, they are impossible and so on and on and on. But for me, it's it's like this is the last time where you can influence a student 
maybe not for studying a science-related uh, bachelor, but at least to recognize and to know the importance of science, of microbiology, of chemistry, so that you can apply it in your day-to-day for the rest of your life. I had a student that was like, look, Clara, I want to be, I want to study international um, affairs. What am I going to do with, with, why do I need to learn the nomenclature and the parts of a, of a bacteria and the parts of the cell? And, the, and I said, look, when you become an ambassador, the ambassador of Mexico in Germany, I want you to know that if you want to, if you need to build up relationships between Germany and Mexico, science is the way. <laughs> science is the way so that you can push programs, exchange programs, talk about uh, budget um, financing stuff that is science related. So if that's an approach that you have very clear in your mind, then my job here is done. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. That's how I became a high school teacher. That's so neat. And I love like what you just said at the end that it's a way to influence them at that age level and be able to – I mean, I really love that you relate it to them personally too, to whatever job they're interested in and then explain, well, this is why understanding these scientific concepts is going to help you in your job, even though it's not a science-related job at all. So I think that's really cool. Um, there's about a million things that you mentioned that I was like, this is cool. <laughs> Sorry. This is neat. No, I loved it. It was. I love hearing your story. And I think it's – I mean, it's relatable on so many different levels. And probably a lot of people will relate to it. I know that I did. Um, just, you know – Figuring out that microbiology was something that you were interested in, um, you know, when you got to college, um, that was that was something for me that I I didn't I, I thought initially I wanted to do it, go into cancer research and then you know got into the microbiology course in college and then realized like oh why have I not thought of this <laughs> like this is so amazing. Um, and I love that they had you analyze the microbes in your favorite foods or <laughs> you wanted to avoid your favorite foods, but <laughs> um, that was kind of neat. But did you find that when you actually um, looked at the – did they talk about how, you know, it's it's not necessarily all like bad stuff that you're seeing or it sounded like you kind of grasped that concept maybe after the fact. So did they talk to you about that, like that – you know, you're seeing a wide variety of microbes growing on this. Is not all bad stuff, or what was your perception of that? Um, I think it, it was just the approach. You know, it's it's the approach of. I mean, you're studying food chemistry. Of course, you want to avoid uh, pathogens in in food, but mainly you can use microbes and uh, to to make food and to standardize processes and to um, control processes and and using and it's all about it doesn't matter if you have a nice beer super stainless steel first class reactor for your beer you can do it in a plastic bottle but if your yeast (laughs) is not 
nice, then anything is going to work out. So yeah, I, I think that that approach was something just natural for me. Maybe, yeah. maybe, did I answer your question? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's it's just, um, you know, I, I like you were saying that the students kind of seemed like scared, like horrified in a way of like what might grow. But I just wondered, you know, is it, did that kind of end up opening up a world more? Because that's kind of how it sounded was that you were like more amazed than terrified in the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, and then I'll, yeah, go ahead. No, I mean, you you don't want to find out that your favorite tacos are not that healthy. <laughs> but on the other hand, on the other hand, I mean, Mexicans, we have like this super gut uh, microbiome that allows <laughs> us to, to to eat $1 tacos outside the uh, metro station and still be alive. So I don't know, there there's something going on there. We have a special resistance. <laughs> Well, and I think also microbes are inevitably going to be there, you know, just like yeah. when you swab a door handle, you're going to grow stuff, but it doesn't mean you're going to get sick just from touching the exactly. door handle. So. Exactly. Um, and then also, I think it's neat that you you audited restaurants too um, and that you kind of found your love for teaching initially there. And um, so I thought that was kind of neat as well and um you've had a lot of ups and downs with an earthquake and then the pandemic it's it's kind of wild but um i do i think it's it's just neat that you found your way to teaching high school students and um so so when you first started teaching microbiology to your students what was it like I mean do you you know was it difficult or was it did you find it exciting how did the students receive the information about microbiology because I know you didn't specifically teach a microbiology course but you're covering these topics in your classes so can you kind of talk about that a little bit yeah actually I have two types of of groups, let's say, the regular groups where we have the fundamentals of life science and health uh, science as well for first and second semester in high school. And for the fundamentals of life, it's all about, I mean, you can talk a lot, a lot. And even when you share your knowledge with passion and you engage students to be participative and sharing their thoughts and ideas and even when they can relate, when the, when you ask them, I like to ask them, what things do you like to do in life? And then try to find a way, just like you said, microbes are everywhere. So trying to find a way in which I can show them how even their microbiology is present. Let's say uh, skincare, right? So there is a lot of microbiology and, and chemistry behind skincare. And although you can make and propose and plan lessons in the classroom that are engaging and fun and, and make them share and so on, it's not the same and it's nothing in comparison when they get to, to the lab and they get to mm -hmm. use a microscope. Because especially this last, um, this past two, three generations uh, that have been arriving to high school, they had two years of uh, home school, let's say, via Zoom, right? So 
once they get to see in the microscope their first slide, even with a hair, even with a drop of water that they just uh, grabbed from a rain pond that was outside the, the school or whatever, and they focus and they see and they just shout like, teacher, it's moving. Teacher, why is it moving? Teacher, it, it has like hairs. It looks gross, but oh my gosh, can I move it? Yes, of course, you can keep on playing with the with the microscope and find what else is in there. So for me, it's all about the microscope. And uh, since we have a lot of students, um, just the high school has 3,000, over 3,000 students. Oh. Um, sometimes the laboratory sessions, like proper going, properly going to the lab and wearing your lab coat and having a pre-lab quiz and your lab protocol and then your lab report and so on. Sometimes that is difficult because of the organization and scheduling all the groups and so on. So I found out and I came to know a tool that I love that is called the Foldscope. And I swear the Foldscope is not uh, it's not my sponsor, but I just I just <laughs> um, fell in love with the possibilities that you can have with this tool because first of all, it's it's super cheap. It's a very cheap tool. I mean, it costs $1. Of course, for us, as we were in Mexico and we had to pay the uh, importation taxes and everything, uh, it was a little bit more than $1, but still it was super affordable. And when they see the Foldscope, are you familiar with the Foldscope? Yes, I am. I've written yeah. about it a little bit on my website. So Yeah. Yeah, it's a great tool. Yeah. When they see it, it's like, teacher, is this really going to work? I mean, it's not the <laughs> regular. How do you, because they know the other microscopes we have with uh, the binocular. Yeah, they're huge. Regular. And, it, when, and when, one with a screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I they first saw the shots. scope, I was like, is this? This is really gonna magnify stuff. Like, <laughs> yes. so I understand. I mean, even you know, just my own experience felt the same way. <laughs> but actually, I I I bought my my own full scope during the pandemics because I was like, what am I going to do? I miss a little bit the lab, and I need to do some stuff. So I managed to to handle the full scope with a lot of of let's say, to handle it easily. So when I got to my students, I was like, yes, I swear, I swear, just plug your phone and start uh, moving the, the, the full scope and you will find something amazing. And those are some of the pictures that I shared with you, the, oh, the cool. pictures that uh, they took with the full scope. So um, engaging students, Nowadays, it's a little bit difficult, but once you get them to see with hands-on activities, with real-life examples, with things and activities that they can relate to, it becomes a little bit easier. And as I was saying, I have another uh, kind of teaching um, activity, let's say, because I run the biology club. So in there, it's a little bit easier because they are geeks 
naturally geeks, so they are already <laughs> interested in microbiology and biology. So you don't need to convince them that this is going to be fun. They just want you to show them how to do it and what to do and what else and when are we going back to the lab and let's do more and more and more. So when I when I started with the club, a couple of students say, let's make kombucha because they were also in a in a they were enrolled in a program that is called um I I forgot the name, but whatever. Um, they were enrolled in this uh, activity and they were trying to make like science, synthetic leather, but with the kombucha oh, uh, cool. coat. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we were, we were doing some batches of kombucha with the three and all the three of them were, con- <laughs> became full of yeast and fungi and bacteria and so on. So by the third time, kombucha didn't, really work they were like so 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 sad because they were just thinking about let's make kombucha and we will make our kombucha brand and we can sell kombucha and they were already gathering glass bottles and they were ready to become rich by selling kombucha (laughs) (laughs) and their kombucha was full of microbes so (laughs) i just said look doesn't matter maybe kombucha was not for us Grab the microscopes, grab some tape, grab the the coloring stains, and let's look at the microscope. Let's look on the microscope. What is growing in there? So maybe we can find a reason why is this kombucha. Of course, I knew what the, why the kombucha was not working, but um, maybe by knowing the microbes that are in there, we can have an idea of why is the kombucha being uh, infested with microbes so fast. <laughs> and they were, they forgot about kombucha at all <laughs> because they were just going to the containers and going with the tape and over and over. And can I grab this one? Yes, of course. Can I grab this? This one has hairs, but in the microscope, it looks so amazing. And they, they, they just loved it. So, um, yeah, that, that's, that's uh, how, 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 easily I can engage the club students. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like, you know, the big thing is initially with the students that are not in the biology club, they they need something to connect to them to it. They need to feel like it applies to them. And I really think that works in all sorts of communication with science communication at all levels, no matter what age level you're talking to. It's people want to know, like, why does this matter to me? You know, just like your student um, who's interested in, you know, being an ambassador. It's like, well, okay, why will this help me in my job in the future? (laughs) So I think that's neat to, to that, that you, you know, you do that with your students that you try to connect it to their lives and make it important to them. So then they're ready for studying it and, and kind of going a little bit deeper with it. But then once you've already got that connection, like you do with those students, but then also it's kind of like already a given with your biology club, then it still really comes down to having them experience it in a hands-on way and actually like doing those activities and, and seeing it with their own eyes, feeling it with their own hands, and 
And I think, I mean, I personally had that experience too, you know, in school, but then also even just doing things at home, like making fermented foods. It's, there's nothing like that experience, like of making yes. your own sourdough bread for the first time from your own sourdough starter. And it's like, you you hear about it and it's like, that's cool. That seems neat. But then you do it yourself and you're like, the feeling of it, oh, of making sauerkraut too, of like just crushing the cabbage with the salt on it and just feeling it transform in your hands and then watching it transform because of the microbes over the course of like the seven days or weeks that, you know, you have it going. It's like you see all these changes occur and you it's just – there's nothing like it. It's like going and taking a trip to another country for the first time. You're like, I've seen <laughs> these pictures, but wow. <laughs> it's so yes. amazing in real life, you know, and you have to experience that personally. So, yeah. Um, and sorry, especially for the science club, the, the biology club, it's very important for me to show them that experiments are not going always to work out. Yeah. But negative results are still results and you can also find stuff there because as they are already engaged with science and I, in my personal experience, had this, like, let's say, disappointing experiences when the experiments were not working out and the PIs were pushing you to make them work out and get the result that they were expecting and so on. It was a lot of pressure and it was a lot of, um, it's an approach that in general in the research field, I don't like. I don't like to push students, people, researchers into a specific result because that closes the, the options and the opportunity to find other stuff, to experience something that you were not expecting. So maybe instead of the engagement for the for the biology club students the the challenge there is to to make them see and to make them realize that biology and science and microbiology is not always working the way you want it but it's still science and it can still be fun and you can still learn a lot of stuff. You can learn even more sometimes from a research, uh, an experiment that didn't work out as expected mm. than an experiment that had the perfect expected result. Ah, yeah, it turned red. That's it. That's what I, that was my hypothesis. So cool. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, it's almost like as a teacher, you wouldn't want everything to go perfectly because the students wouldn't learn nearly as much. Um, mm -hmm. They, they wouldn't be able to troubleshoot and troubleshooting is, a really important part of science, but it's also a really important part of life in general, <laughs> you know, <Yes. laughs> and just be able to get past the frustration and disappointment and then move on. And okay, well, why did this happen? And how can yeah. we fix it? And what do we need to do the next time if there is a next time? So yeah. I, and I also think it's, it's neat for your um, biology club students that you made the most of the Com the kombucha contamination. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like they totally forgot that they were going to be rich off of kombucha. You know, they were like, oh, th there's, there's this is fun. like <laughs> so much cool stuff that I can look at, even though it's contaminated. <laughs> yeah. So I do love that. And um, 
Yeah. I, hopefully you'll get to try making kombucha again, though. <laughs> yeah, we will. We will. Yeah, I think that'll be neat. But, uh, you know, just looking at microbes, whether they're contamination or not, I mean, that's been in my work experience in the lab. That was like as much as it can be frustrating. Sometimes it was kind of neat, too, because there's just like the weirdest stuff will appear, you know, <laughs> you're like, this is beautiful. It's not supposed to be there, but wow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And the pictures, so. they love to get pictures and oh, they, yeah. once they pull their phone close to the, even in the regular class or the biology club, once they get their pictures, they are like, oh, I love my picture. Look, teacher, I, I look how perfect it looks and I managed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's so neat that we live in a time where everybody can carry around a camera, <laughs> you yes. know, because that was... um yeah, it was not the way that it was when I was that age in high school. I did not get to take pictures of everything that I did, but it's it's neat that students these days can do that and share that with other people. So it kind of makes it more accessible in a lot of ways um, because mm -hmm. it's like they can go out of their class and then show their friends and get them excited about it as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, yeah. So – what do you like the most about teaching the microbiology topics in your classes? Um, I think that since the approach of microbes not being that as bad as movies say, um, <laughs> that's what I like the most. I, I love how I love to share how microbes are actually more helpful than harm than harmful i mean of course they they can be harmful but i love to share the fact that in everyday life microbes are there you cannot get rid of microbes you have your own microbiome in your mouth in your nose in your skin in your gut in your hair and Human beings and microbes have been um, together since the beginning of time. So I love to give them that approach of microbes being useful and nice. And just by saying that we only know less than 5% of the, of the species that are out there leaves the possibility for them to engage and to challenge them, themselves maybe if they if they go uh, through the science pathway to to make a, a small contribution in in that mm -hmm. part so that's what I like about teaching microbiology or microbiology topics um, sharing the fact that microbes can be our friends. For sure, yeah. Do you ever get any pushback from your students on that? Especially since, you know, they went through the pandemic and everything. Do they come into it thinking that microbes are scary? Or how, how do they receive the information when you tell them about that? Mm, 
they are always surprised. They are always surprised because, especially as we were talking before about fermented foods, uh, they know many. In Mexico, we have a lot of fermented traditional foods, uh, especially beverages. And I mean, they have this concept, but as a word, you know, they know fermented. Ah, yeah, beer. Mm -hmm. Uh Yes, I, I like beer. Under I'm underage for beer, but um, I have heard it. It, it tastes nice. Um, I've heard about sourdough during the pandemics and uh, people doing their own bread at home. But once they realize they can actually do it, they can actually study it, they can actually put their hands on producing or making some of these um, foods, it changes their minds. I mean, they no longer think about getting sick or I have to get this um, antibacterial everywhere, antibacterial gel, antibacterial spray. And uh, I mean, um, in general for population, I feel like after the pandemic, once we overcome, overcame the, the, I'm afraid of even going out, maybe we make peace with, with, with microbes because we realized that actually they have been always been there, you know, and we were not that sick back then. So <laughs> now we learned that washing our hands is important. Yes. That if you're sick and you have to wear a mask, a face mask, it's okay. But I don't feel like my students are scared or afraid of microbes anymore. Actually in the health in the health science um, class, we see pathogens and we bring like cabbage and tortillas and uh, apples with mold or yeast or, and they take their own uh, sample and go to the, to the microscope to watch it. And that kind of stuff, you see it in your, at, at home every time, you know, every, every day. Well, maybe not every day, but at some point, your fruit is like, oh, I forgot about my banana I was there and now it has a mold. Now it goes to the trash. But it doesn't matter that they are contaminated because there's still a world there. And I don't feel like they, they are afraid of microbes. Yeah, that's neat. And I think it's it's good that it's like they they kind of have these little connections here and there that <clears throat> they kind of they knew about from when they were younger and they know about beer they kind of heard about sourdough but then in your classes it's like they get to put those things together make those connections and then actually get their hands on some of those things as well so i think that's really neat and it's neat to hear that they seem to you know, be receiving that information and understanding it. And I think also they're growing up in a time where the microbiome is a lot better understood too. So 
it's things are seen through a completely different lens than when I was in high school. So I think it, you know, I have to remember too that it's they're they're growing up with information that I didn't have, <laughs> you know. Yes, yes. So I think sure. that's kind of neat. I think it's really neat, and it'll be interesting to see how, you know, in the future generations are thinking about microbes and um, and maybe just naturally. As science progresses, the the perception will change because of the new information that we have slowly but surely making its way into classrooms and, you know, into our daily lives. So, yeah, I like to tell them when I was in high school, like when I was in your age, introns and exons were not even a concept. It was <laughs> DNA, DNA that works, DNA that codifies for something and junk DNA. So that was it. And then now you get to know that it's there for maybe not an understood reason, but yeah, new information coming up so fast. So I think that there will be some educators that will listen to this podcast episode and they'll be kind of curious to hear about any challenges that you've ever experienced and teaching microbiology and um, so what what do you find challenging and how did you tackle those challenges in the classroom i there is a something else that i didn't mention about uh that is also related to the earthquake in 2017 so the campus of my current uh the the institute where i currently teach uh fell down so it was a challenge for the institution to immediately move everyone towards a temporal campus and have these pre-built uh, classrooms in the in the sports campus that is actually um, close to the main campus, but like <laughs> there is a main campus, then a Costco, <laughs> and then the sports campus. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Building up in a couple of weeks a temporal campus was very, very challenging. And I know that for the science department, uh, it was it was a need that was a little bit, um, it was not a priority, you know. So at some point, they managed to have also a temporal lab. But then with the pandemic, it was no longer possible for us to make uh Experiments. So that's when we came out with the hands-on and laboratories at home ideas so that even when you are at home, you can use some ingredients from the kitchen that now we are calling substances instead of ingredients and still observe things. And it was the idea, the idea was to, once we got the full scope to give each student a full scope to be to have at home and start doing some uh, microbiological observations but then the new campus was was finished and again the lab was not the 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 priority but we started doing hands-on activities in the classroom that not necessarily we got like trays and we were preparing the trays with the materials to to make super easy and fast because you need to do it like in 20 minutes, a, a, a hands-on activity under 20 minutes and explain the instructions and 
take pictures and do the hands-on and do the report and control your group and everything. So I think that once once we got the facilities again, now it's all about engagement. And as I was saying before, maybe that's a, a challenge for every high school teacher right now, nowadays, how to engage your, your students, how to make them see the importance, how to, I mean, it's a generation, Gen Z, they get tons of information. The problem for them is not to get the information. The problem, the challenge for them is to, what am I going to do with this information? What does it mean? And even though when I can use ChatGPT to finish my my project and write and everything, what am I doing? What does it mean? So hmm. I think that I would go back to the idea of knowing your students a little bit better in terms of what are their interests, what do they do, what do they want to do when they go to college. It's a way to for you to think about how can you still relate your subject to their lives. And even though when they don't see it, I mean, let's say that you want to be a professional athlete. Okay, most of your health... Um, depends on your microbiome mm. not only the gut health maybe even the mental health even mm. the the um, um the health that you don't think about that it's relate related to microbiology so yeah i would say that knowing your students in not in a personal way but in their interests would make it easier for you to think about um, activities that they will relate to easily instead of just following a, a manual or a workbook mm. that says step one, step two, step three. I love that. That's such a good point that it's this um, this generation, they have so much information at their fingertips and so it's like they can find out what they want to know about, but you also have to stand in front of them in the class and actually get their attention. And so you can't read their minds. And so it's a matter of getting to know them and and knowing what they enjoy and what they imagine themselves doing in the future and then somehow relating things back to it. So I think that's a really good point. Um, so for, for someone who's maybe going to start teaching microbiology for the first time, um, do you have any other tips that you could give that might be helpful for them? Mm, make it simple. I know that as a microbiologist, uh, that already has a bachelor's or a master's or a PhD, you have a lot of information, important information that you feel like it's super, super necessary to share and for them to understand. But they are still in their in their learning process. So maybe if you can just make it as simple as possible, just describe shapes, just describe um, colors. Maybe if you stained uh, your samples. Don't get don't get uh, stuck on call it spores, not little balls over there like that look like bubbles. I mean, if they can just describe it like that, 
you are doing great because sometimes as teachers, we, we want them to use this proper words and this vocabulary mm. super specialized is specialized and maybe we lose some engagement in this process that makes it a little bit more difficult for them. So why do I care? I really loved what I saw in a microscope, but now my teacher is making me remember that it's called cilia and flagella. And the, so if I say it looks like a potato with hairs, it's okay. We will get, we will eventually get there to say that it's a bacteria that is uh, a streptococcus or uh, whatever, and it has cilia and it has flagella and it has the proper names. But in the beginning, let them let them call it as they want because only that way they will follow and they will flow with their own process and maybe some some of them are going to stay there but they will remember at some point in their lives ah yeah when i was in high school i had a teacher and we looked at these tiny balls la 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 i think that she mentioned they were called spores but eh, i don't know <laughs> but don't make it or try to not make it super hard. Make it simple. Keep it simple. Even for the laboratory sessions, make the report simple. Make the format simple. Only a circle where you draw whatever you see and just describe in three words. You can you can only use three words to describe it. And then little by little, you can work with going and leveling up the the vocabulary and the concepts. Mm. Yeah, that's good. That makes sense too. And then they feel less pressured and then they're kind of, it, it pushes them to maybe eventually feel motivated to <clears throat> to learn those words. But at first, at least they're, they're engaged enough to try to describe it in their own words. So mm-hmm. I think that that makes a lot of sense. And making it simple, keeping things simple is – is going to help them remember it in the long term too. If it gets too yeah. complicated, then it's like, oh, what am I going to – how am I ever going to remember this information? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's really good. Um, so we've talked a lot about hands-on activities and I know that you have one to share. So why don't you tell us um, what at-home microbiology activity you have so we can experience the microbial world in a hands-on way? Okay, so we have been talking a lot about fermented foods, and I I studied food chemistry. So in Mexico, we have a wide variety of fermented foods and fermented beverages. So there is one beverage that I really like that is called uh, tepache, and it's super simple. It's like the same... Uh, Let's say the same process as with sourdough. I mean, you don't in, you don't have a, a, to inoculate your sourdough for it to to start developing, right? Um, and it's part of its magic. How out of nowhere quotation marks it starts <laughs> to get fermented. So <laughs> tepache is a beverage that is made out of uh, pineapple peel. It can also contain other fruits like uh, guava or apples or oranges, 
but the main one, well, originally for the Aztecs, it was made out of uh, corn, but nowadays it's made out of um, of pineapple peel. And it's super simple because you just need to add some pineapple peels, then cut a little bit of the pineapple pulp, not all the pulp, the pulp you can eat it later with chili. And um, <laughs> and you just add water and your sugar source that is called piloncillo. That is mainly like brown sugar, but in a cube. And it also, it already contains cinnamon and uh, some vanilla. It's like the remainings of the sugar process. Um, that then are turning to a, 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 a cube, okay? So you add this piloncillo, and since it already has cinnamon, it will help you out to avoid um, dangerous microbes or pathogens so that you can drink it later. So you just leave it there, leave it uh, in a jar, in a glass jar, and... Mix your pineapple peels, your piloncillo, water, and that's it. You leave it there for a couple of weeks, and it will, it will have a very very low level of alcohol, but it's mainly sweet, and yes, it has a fermented uh, flavor note, but it's not that strong. I think that, for example. For instance, kefir has a little bit, uh, has a stronger note, a stronger fermented note in comparison with tapache. And in Mexico, tapache is even for kids. So, yeah, the alcohol level is not that high and the and the fermented flavor is not that um, strong. That sounds so, amazing. Uh, <laughs> and it's delicious, I can tell you. Uh, so, actually, the activity, once they... They get to to prepare and to leave their their tepache preparation. You can play with the amounts of sugar, the amounts of. You can also, if you can, uh, you can get a peel of pineapple that has already uh, from a previous batch, you know, so that you can insert it and then you have like your inoculus. But. Um, if you don't have it, it will work anyways. And then the thing is to observe during the days, during, let's say, three, four, five, six days, observe in the microscope which kind of, of uh, bacteria and, and yeast can you observe. Measure the pH levels and taste the the batches because uh, at some point you will realize oh this was ready yesterday today is no longer is no longer good so yeah lucky for us we did three batches so let's mm -hmm. see the other ones but then they can start relating more than one concepts uh, in one single activity the pH variation, the color changing, the flavor changing, the um, population and the microscopic observations that you do. So they can register and at the end, 
they end up with grafts and they all, uh, end up with um, bacterial count, uh, counts so that they can actually see how as the fermentation process goes by, it changes and also the population changes, the, the microbial population changes. At the beginning, you had a lot of yeast and then now you have more bacteria. So why is this happening? And this um, helps you to detonate a lot of questions that even though when this fermentation process lasts for only five to six days, one week, let's say, um, you can have a lot of questions and retake this project during your your whole semester for different activities and for different topics. That's neat. So do you, when you're doing the fermentation, do you have a lid on the jar um, and like, is it screwed on tight or is it like a cloth lid or is it, what kind of a lid do you use for the fermentation? The lid, the lid is uh, just to cover, but since you need to let some air to get in, so it's not a super tightly closed lid. So just... Just like set it to on cover top. it from dust and flies, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but not for uh, it. It has to get a little bit of air. Yeah, it's okay, not a so fully it anaerobic press, uh, fermentation. No. Okay, so it, would it? Could you use like a a com, like for kombucha? You do like a cloth lid, like cover with like a rubber band, or would you want to have an actual lid that you just kind of set on top and lightly? grew so that it stays, but then not like w and to allow gas to pass through. Which one would yes. do you think would be better? Um, the plastic lid, maybe with a couple of holes and then the cloth. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and then also you said that you grow the bacteria. Do you, do you actually, I mean, you're counting the numbers and so are you plating them out on Petri dishes to do that or are you just kind of generally observing under the microscope and getting an idea of the numbers? Both. Okay. Both the, micro, the, the microscope observations and the Petri dishes cultures. Okay. And then what kind of media are you using, like auger? Um, media are you using in the petri dishes to look at the bacteria and the yeast the agar agar uh plates that are like the basic the basic media so that most of the microbes can can grow and then maybe you can get like antibiotic plates so that you can isolate specific uh, species but actually we just do the the general the general culture yeah okay and, great um yep they enjoy also preparing their their plates yeah i bet it's really neat to actually like see the individual colonies and um kind of get to see the bacteria and the yeast in a different sort of way than just like you know, in the jar and suspension. So I think that sounds like a great activity. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, um, and just that it's, you know, it's a traditional fermented food from Mexico. So I think that that opens up a lot of, you know, a new world for people from other countries that may not have experienced that before. So I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, do you have any resources that you can share um, that would help new science teachers maybe with their, you know, starting to teach microbiology? 
yeah uh of course i like a lot your your vlog i think that it's very friendly for <laughs> teachers in general to follow the step-by-step -step activities suggested activities and there is also a website that i like that is called hhmi um that one uh is is very useful as well and what i like about that is that it has material available available in spanish and english so that information is easy to get for those teachers that are not uh that um well com or that confident in english so that they get their their material also also in spanish um And I just discovered, well, not just, but I I started using also Instagram and Twitter. I don't know. We think about this social media as as social media for sharing your aesthetic way of life or your <laughs> nice breakfast and your dog <laughs> and so on. But actually, if you put in the research box... You write GIST, you write microbiology, you write uh, DIY microbiology, anything, a lot of material and a lot of the, many of the scientific community shares a lot of things. So I I like, uh, this one is not about microbiology, but there is a, um, a girl, histology... Stology Queen is the Queen of Hearts, and she has these pictures that are so 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 beautiful. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's about histology, but there is also um, bloggers, Instagrammers that share their their content and their pictures on Instagram and Twitter. And that's also a way in which students can engage. I mean, yeah, do mm -hmm. you want to be on your phone during the class? Perfect. Open Instagram. <laughs> really? Yes. Open Instagram and find a microbiology vlogger. Mm. Okay. <gasps> Look, teacher, can we do this at lab? And then all by themselves. That's great. Are like, yeah. Yeah. That's so. clever. I like that. Because, I mean, kids are going to be on social media. We're all on social media, but I think that's, <laughs> that's a great way to relate to them as well. Um, mm -hmm. So where can everyone find, follow, and connect with you? <sighs> well, my my Twitter account, I don't know. Give me one second. And I think that it's no longer Twitter. It's called X, right? X. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> very confusing <laughs> millen millennials we're getting behind but we're doing our oh, yeah. best to, to, to be up to date especially in the teaching field because you don't want your students to find out that you're 30 or more <laughs> <laughs> so my ex account is uh, kaluli lodash ml but I really prefer to use Instagram which is just uh C A L U low dash M L low hyphen sorry low hyphen M L and my email is just C I know C <laughs> I was thinking in Spanish C Marceline just like my my last name at tech dot M X great 
Well, thank you so much. This has been awesome. And I loved this conversation. I think that this is going to be a great resource for teachers who are new to navigating, you know, teaching microbiology maybe for the first time. And um, I just really appreciate the guidance and inspiration that you've provided today. So thanks so much. Thank you so much for the space. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Joyful Microbe podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. If you'd like to help others who love microbes to find the podcast, then please leave a rating and a review for the show and tell a friend. To learn more about the Joyful Microbe, head on over to joyfulmicrobe.com where you will find the show notes and all the links and resources mentioned. If you love Joyful Microbe and would like to support the show, you can do so by leaving a virtual tip through coffee. The link is in the show notes and on joyfulmicrobe.com at the bottom of the page. Thanks again, microbe friends. Talk to you next time.